Riding Around is an improvised recap of a sitcom that never existed. Enjoy! I'm Kelly Quinn. And I'm Malin Von Euler-Hogan. We met as actors on the hit early 2000s sitcom Riding Around, the first network comedy ever to be filmed entirely on... And around... A bus. And we're still pretty good friends. And now we're doing the official Riding Around fan podcast. Each week, we'll talk about an episode of the show and bring you interviews, fun facts, and behind-the-scenes stories that only two people who were on the bus can tell you. Come ride around with us. Well, hi, Mullen. How are you doing today? Hey, Kelly. I'm doing, I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. How's your day been? Oh, it's been okay. Your voice, your spirits sound a little low. Can I add? I mean, I don't want you get too personal if you um, don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I just, John and I are having a little bit of just some stuff right now. And, um, the sort of the pumpkin stuff I was telling you about oh, last week yeah, has yeah, yeah. kind of spiraled into a bit of a thing, but I'm nothing, so you know, nothing I haven't experienced before in a marriage. So <laughs> we are working on it. Right. In a marriage to a man named John, no less. Yeah, um, exactly. Sorry. I don't mean to make light. That was, I no, no, it's ridiculous. I've been married to multiple men with the same name. But um, thank you for asking and for sensing that. Um, oh. I wish, <laughs> wish he would sometimes do that. Uh, well, you know, women are more intuitive and and we've been friends so long that there was no way I was not going to hear the low note in your voice. <laughs> it's true. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, I barely know this guy. How are you, though? <laughs> how's the mm. how's the fam? How's your husband? Uh, you know, things here in New York are good. Still pumpkin season. So loving that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband's traveling for work. And I don't know if you've heard this because, you know, L.A. is not so much a live theater town, but Phantom of the Opera is leaving Broadway. And it's a, a big story. So I oh. luckily was able to grab tickets and get my daughters there before before the end of the run, which is really special. Oh, that's incredible. What do they think of it? Oh, they love all the songs. They love Andrew Lloyd Webber. So they were real. They were singing <laughs> along. I mean, I, was, I had to put my hands over their <laughs> mouths. Girl, stop, you know, respect the theater. But they loved it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. And are they performers themselves? Not yet, but, okay. you know, leaving the door open for it, certainly. Yeah. 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 You got to be careful with that, but ultimately it could be quite lucrative. So it's something to consider for sure. Sure. And they're both so cute. I won't I know. lie. Yeah. The temptation yeah. has been there to get them in audition rooms. But then I remember, you know, it, it was hell for a while for me. And so I don't want to put them in that headspace. No, of course. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I would actually be happy if I never audition again in my life. I'm just so into this writing that I've been doing. Oh, yeah. How's the, the, the one woman show that you're adapting? How's that going? So it's good. So I know I, I spoke about it before and said that I was turning it into a feature, but right. I just cannot seem to cut the thing down. So I'm thinking miniseries now. And because I don't want to lose, I've got so much good stuff. I don't want to lose any of it. Right. So right. what's the answer? Just make a six part, seven part, however many parts it takes. Right. Make a little mini series. Those are hot right now. They are so hot. And especially, you know, easier to sell if you're a, a known quantity, which of course you are from your work on writing around. Exactly. So. And, and I don't, I don't see anybody else doing this. Someone playing every single part in a mini series. It's, I don't know. I think we'll have to, I'll have to get our guests take on it as someone who works on that side of the business. Sure. I'm pretty excited to be speaking to her today. And so am I. She's going to help us recap season two, episode four. Please welcome to the podcast, executive extraordinaire, Tova Biddle. Hi. How Hi, Tova. are you guys? We're great. It's, it's nice to connect again. It's so good to see you both of you guys. You guys are looking great. You're looking fresh. You're looking... Um, 
you know, you're looking uh, energized by this really fun thing you have going on, this cast, this good old cast. Yeah, it's been such a treat and, and really put a pep in both of our step to revisit the show and get everyone back together. And yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and you're a part of that, of course, you know, as someone who was so integral to getting us on the air. I mean, it was my baby. Uh, it was my <laughs> oh. baby, right? Yeah, it was my right. first, you know, it, you know, riding around was my first um, project as a, um, you know, senior executive uh, at Universal. So for me, yeah, it, yeah. It's like it's like going back and seeing my seeing my baby. You know? <laughs> oh, oh, that's so nice to hear. You know, and and cool to hear you take credit like that because a lot of people give credit to, of course, your boss Roger for for greenlighting the show. You know, he's known around NBC as the kingmaker, and I mean, you've made it very clear that this this was all you, and and I believe you. You know, behind every man is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, however many women actually making the thing happen, right? So Roger obviously gave a lot of direction. And so it was my first paid job as well as being my first um, senior executive job. It was my first ever job other than an internship. Get out of here. Can I ask how old you were? Is that rude? I was, no, not at all. Oh my God. No. So I was 21 um, when I was... Uh, made senior executive of um, half hour comedies at Universal. Wow. What a wonderkind, right? I mean, that's uh, shocking. So Roger must have just seen your talent from just the the interview or how did, how did you get in the room to even audition for a senior executive position at 21? Audition. Right. Oh, sorry. I'm (laughs) such an actor. (laughs) To interview. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean, um, you know, everyone goes through their own rigorous process for me. um, So for me, it was absolutely um, working side by side with Roger, getting his coffee and getting his salad. And my dad had known him from having been his periodontist. um, And Mm. uh, (laughs) so we had known each other in a um, personal context. And then I had had a good six or eight months of, of working and getting to know the business from the side of, you know, tasks, <laughs> food mm-hmm. tasks. Yeah. That gives you great insight. People think it's menial, but you're in those rooms. You're popping in to drop the salad on the desk and you're mm-hmm. learning when you do that. Right. Yeah. And I do think like there is a lot of work experience in, you know, getting salads and getting coffees that does apply to um, television development. You know, it's it's storytelling. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're if you're going to Sweet Green, if you're going to Chopped, like wherever you're going, that's also storytelling and it's a balance. And that's what this work is all about. And that's what I love about this is the balance and the mix and being in the mix. And that's why I have a passion, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh, yeah. Couldn't make more. Gosh, I just can't. It's so great to see you. I'm trying to remember when's the last time all three of us would have seen each other, been, been in a room together. I'm trying to remember. Would it have been on the cruise? Oh, Was my it? gosh. Oh, you know boy. What? I try to forget <laughs> the cruise, but uh, you might be right about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Because yeah, I Yeah, the rap know, cruise. Yep. Yeah. The rap cruise. Yeah. Um, which was also the rap cruise. Because remember, mm-hmm. it was a it was a hip hop cruise. Yeah. You had three six mafia on board. Yeah. Right. We had three six mafia rapping. Mm-hmm. It was a sort because it was a synergy because they were at the time I was developing a very grounded limited series with three six mafia. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it didn't ultimately go 
but um, oh, so that was sort of a yeah. Um, so it was a rap cruise for the rap. Those guys could not have been nicer. I'll just say it. They were oh. sweethearts. They were so Real sweet. sweet. They're loved getting they're to know teddy them. bears. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were my teddy bears. Yeah, they were so fun, so cool. Oh, that's so cute. And yeah, to have them too. I mean, I don't remember what year they won the Oscar for Hard Out Here for a Pimp, but I mean, you had them when they were hot, hot. That's right. That's right. Um, I forgot about uh, the Oscar, actually. That is, that was probably how they got on my radar. Yeah, I'm looking it up now. It looks like it was the 78th Academy Awards. So March 2006, they won that. So yeah, that had to be yeah. it. We seven years later. In 2006. Wow. Uh-huh. And seven years later, mm-hmm. you're there in your office pitching your- a limited series. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, and that's what's so cool about this business, right, is meeting Mm. people and having meetings and and just meeting each other and talking about projects. And then sometimes you make them, but you, you know, it's just, it's, this is the magic of it, right? Right. Whether you make them or not, the relationships are there and they're strong. Yeah, I think whether you make something or not, it's like the most valuable thing is having like an office and inviting people to the office (laughs) and giving them waters and just meeting. I think, you know. The heart of this business is meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a people and, business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about people. Yeah. Yeah. And hearing their stories. And really listening to, I always felt very listened to when our paths would cross. I felt, you know, could you repeat names of my kids back to me? No, not necessarily. But, you know, I did always feel very like, hello, you know, she remembers who I am, I think. That kind of, that kind of energy. Well, there's, there's levels to it. And I don't think the facts always are necessary, right? If you're connecting and uh, sorry to sound so LA, but just energetically, if that's there, that's sometimes all you need. We don't need right. to know, like, I don't need to know a roster of the entire, you know, right. Quinn family, you know, that's just not, that's not an indication of whether I actually know you or not. Are we feeling it? Are we vibing? I absolutely think it's about vibes and yeah, there's so many people in this business. And so it's not necessarily about, do I know your name? Do I know what show you're on? do I know where I've seen you before? Or do I think you're a stranger approaching me in the bathroom of a cruise ship? Either way, I think it's about vibes. And um, so if you vibe and you get the sense that that person has a vibe, um, you can vibe together is what I think, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Wondering if we could vibe our way on over to uh, the episode that we're going to recap today. Tova, I I shot you an email. I never heard back. Um, about whether you were able to watch the episode that we're recapping today. And no big deal either way, because Malin and I both are fresh. We try to watch the episodes the very night before Mm -hmm. we're recording the episodes. They're absolutely top of mind. But would you go ahead, Malin, and and read the TV Guide synopsis of episode four of season two? Tom's estranged mother visits Bristol and spends the day riding the bus in an attempt to bond with him. Meanwhile, Marsha scrambles to cover up a bad haircut. Oh, gosh. I still think about that stupid, stupid wig you guys put me in. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. They had some fun with that in hair and yeah, makeup. Yeah. Weirdly, a lot of studio notes on the wig itself trying to kind of nail what specifically the bad haircut should look like because I was not about to let anybody cut my actual hair. <laughs> right. You're right. so proud of it. It was right. so long at the time. Yeah. Very long. I'm sorry. I'm just I'm reading this. Um synopsis again because um I yeah I I was not able to listen as you were reading it oh yeah Um, no of course yeah just because I've been slammed today Mm -hmm. um got it yeah (laughs) I remember the wig yeah that was um we had probably seven or nine meetings um about the wig so that was a long week for us 
it makes sense because you know what? We did get some blowback. A lot of lesbian jokes made around the wig, you know. Right. Just because it was, I guess it's a short haircut. People are kind of spiky. Right. Right. I remember that. And the way Malin kind of wore it, I think Mm. um, we couldn't have predicted. Um, There was a, I remember there was an issue with your head shape. You have, there's a part of your head that sort of, you can't see it. Like, I can't see it right now head on. No, but if I but were I profile, a lot of, yeah, I would see a big, yeah, sort it, of like it a juts out in the back and I am working on, I still am <laughs> to this day, a little self-conscious sometimes, uh, watching myself back. It's, it's tough because I just see, see myself in profile and I'm like, if the dang head would just relax, like it, yeah, it just juts out in the back and that does make wig work tricky for me. But I, I was kind of modeling mm. the, my, you know, character that day on a lesbian that I knew. So I felt good about it. I felt like I really was channeling this, uh, you know, a woman with a short haircut. And so it was kind of hurtful for the audience response to have been so negative on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people said, okay, this is a stereotype. This is not being played with any sort of nuance. And, and if I got it wrong, they didn't know that I was also going through sort of the trauma of having a weird head under that. Right. Of course, they couldn't have known that. No, I think from, you know, our perspective, you know, I remember Roger saying something that, you know, probably, you know, we we probably can't repeat now, but something (laughs) along the lines of like, if they don't like it, they can go blap their blaps Mm -hmm. in their blaps and all of those Uh, blaps being kind of specifics about a community. Um, (laughs) And I... (laughs) I did push back on that um, a little bit. And then ultimately I uh, did not push back and I fully agreed with him. Well, it's a different time, you know? Yeah, it was a different time. And I really, you know, I liked my job and I liked my parking space. So I did, Mm -hmm. I think, I I remember telling Diana that I was going to push back. And then I um, did not, is something I remember. It's politics sometimes in these jobs from what I understand, right? You've got how many people you're trying to serve. You've got your boss, you've got mm-hmm. the show itself, a needy showrunner, an actor with right. a freaking weird head. I mean, you've got <laughs> a lot of people to answer to. And you got to save right. that clout for when you really need it. Right. And that wasn't your battle. That wasn't your battle. And that's that. And honestly, yeah. And ultimately, like, it's kind of about what's easier. Like, what's the easy thing? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, for me, has gotten, has, like, that's why I'm still doing this career. Um, I totally. think people try to, what do you, I'm not a writer, so they try to um, reborn the mouse traps. What is it? Um, <laughs> I legitimately don't know. I was, yeah, I'm sort of <laughs> racking my brain. For it's something I saw on a script once. It's, you know, you, you reinvent a mouse's house. Um, people oh, reinvent always, the wheel, do you mean? Yeah, but there, I swear there's something, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not a word person, but I do give notes on scripts. But anyway, yeah, what it basically means is I think people sort of work maybe too hard to Mm -hmm. challenge themselves at work. And, you know, sometimes you just need to relax and lean in and it's almost like, like lying down, right? Things are easier a little Mm -hmm. bit when you lie down and sort of don't say anything and take a nap. That's so true. I do always remember the couch in your office being pretty comfy too. So, oh my you know, God, I know we're not speaking literally about naps maybe, but I could have napped on that thing. 
I was just going to ask if you could catch us up on your career since. Have you bopped around studio to studio? Have you stayed loyal? Or Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have bopped around. Let's see. You know, the show ended in what, 2012? 20, yeah, 13. 2013. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have moved around to 11 different studios since then. And um, wow, I have wow. developed so much amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's less that you're spending less than a year typically at these places. Yeah, which is great and which is um, good. I think, you know, because you want to get fresh eyes and I sort of walk in and I always am the fresh eyes, even if sometimes I've now bopped around to so many different places that I am back in, I have doubled back on some of the same offices that I was in before, but it's like a different company now, whether it's a production shingle or it was, you know, it was a Warner Brothers and now it's a, you know. Oh, sure. um, these mergers, it's hard to even keep track of what companies oh, yes. exist like game now. Of, yeah. yeah. Game of chess. And, and I don't, yeah, I don't keep track of it. But yeah, all I kind of know is I'm not even really very privy to these moves. It'll just be like, I'll get an email one day and they'll say, this is where you're parking now uh, on this lot. And, um, you know, and here's your new pass. And so the, and then I'm at a completely different place, but the job um, is the same. So it's been great and weird, but it's good. That's great wow. that it changes so much. Cause I know I've really appreciated that as an actor going from project to project, there's a novelty mm-hmm. to it that is exciting and keeps you motivated. Right. Yeah. You think like, oh, an Ellen Pompeo, you know, sure. You'd like to really settle into a role and get comfortable oh, yeah. somewhere, get to know it. But at the same time that can get boring. Yeah, I would hate to be just so bored on a show like Grey's where you have that security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not for me, I think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Right. And Ellen, I think, is a is a producer now. So she also gets probably a, a producer fee on, t- on top of. Right. And, but, you know, when you, that's no, that's not artistry. To me, that's not artistry. It's almost too much money when you yeah. think about it hard. Yeah. It almost seems like too much money. Yeah. And wh- yeah. where would you even put it? What would be nice to have money for the college tuition that I know is coming. But all that said, I would not take Ellen Pompeo's career. No, 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 no. I think that's crazy. So you're still doing comedy, Tova? That You always just had such great taste in comedians and the scripts that came across your desk. Is that still your focus? Um, thank you so much. You took that detour into the the rap with the Three Six Mafia, the sort of heavier stuff. But oh, see, in my mind, that was a kind of a dark comedy, no? Well, I, so I think like that was maybe one of the problems is I sort of envisioned mm. it as a very grounded drama. And oh. the three six guys, um, they definitely thought of it more as a, a slapstick comedy. Slapstick, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was no official writer on that project. <laughs> it was um, just them sort of writing ideas into the body of an email and then me writing notes Mm-hmm. Uh, on that. So so it was just kind of us shaping it together, which I, I think is a great model for the future. I don't know that we need writers necessarily because you have people, you know, you have talent, you have such great talent who have ideas. And then you have people like me and my whole job is to shape ideas. And I think that honestly can be enough. Right. So walk me through. Sorry. Yeah. So I don't mean to interrupt. I, I obviously not a writer, never written a word in my life. When you are receiving ideas and pitches from talent, celebrities, people with blue checks next to their name on Instagram, which working on Mm -hmm. it, by the way, how, what you, you mentioned you shape ideas. 
what literal form does that take? Am I allowed to ask? Is that you mentioned emails back and forth with Three Six Mafia? Is that always the case? It's typically done over email or? Yeah. So a lot of my job is reading. So I don't always like to read the whole thing, whether it's a script or a log line. I'll read like the first half and then kind of whatever the first idea that pops into my head, I'll just start writing it down. And those will kind of be my notes, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's more about instinct. And again, it's If I see something, for instance, if someone sends me a script or an outline and I see something in there that reminds me of something that I've seen before, like if someone puts in a character and I'm like, oh, you know, that reminds me of uh, um, uh, this character sort of like Maddie on Euphoria, right? Mm. So somebody and so I, I get reminded of that and I go. My note might be, how can we make this sort of more like Maddie on Euphoria? Or how can we make this whole thing sort of more like Euphoria? Because that's kind of my job is to bridge the gap between what I see on the page, whether that's eight pages or a full script that might be 32 pages, and maybe it's the third draft or the first draft, but someone has worked for hours and hours on this, but it's my job to sort of look at that kind of shapeless thing and say, how can we make that more like something that I have seen and is on And is TV? viable. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. I'm really grateful for this inside peek into the this side of the business too, because I don't know if you heard me say earlier, I'm working on some writing material myself. And to know that it might not even be read by the people I email it to is super helpful. Right. It sounds like you kind of want to stack all the good stuff at the front before they get you know tired. Yeah. And maybe add in a little drugs and sex, I guess, right? <laughs> Not really part of my story uh, at the moment, but if euphoria is the way to go, then um, then it can be. <laughs> well, euphoria right. is not, not the way to go, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I won't even read um, so much. I mean, um, just because my eyes get so tired from moving them left and right. Um, so sometimes I'll just have Alexa. I'll just say, Alexa, read this script. And so she'll just start reading it out in her kind of monotone, which is a great way to hear a script. Yeah. Do you find that works for you? You can you can sort of get the spirit of the thing in Alexa monotone. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's sort of like reading, except that I'm not doing it. So it does, you know, makes my job. Again, it all comes back to like, how do you make this easier? And why do we make things hard when we can make them so easy? Right. Totally. Yeah. Could we talk about casting a little bit? Because that's maybe the only other place where our paths sort of overlapped a bit. Right. So you must have been shown our audition tapes and had to give a thumbs up or thumbs down. I mean, what's what's a development executive's role in the casting process? Right. That is a great question. And so for me, I was basically looking and saying, like, are they are like what type are they? Right. Mm. Like. Um, who do they remind me of? Are they a, so it's 2006. So let me think, who am I? Um, God, who was on TV in, in 2006? Uh, are they the wife on Breaking Bad? Mm. Or are they the daughter on that show, uh, Don't Date My Daughter? What is that show called? I, I think that's it. Studio 60. Big love, 30 Rock. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. I, I did have to pull up Google because. Yeah, me too. I thought Friends, but that ended in 2004. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I know that Friends ended when I was a, a freshman in college. So yes, that was two years before this. 
before I was senior development executive. So yeah, that was before my time, two years before my time. God, I can't get over what a meteoric rise you had. I mean, that is so cool. Just for women, that is so cool. Because you hear a lot about this industry being hard for women. And it is. Okay. Oh, it is. No, it is. (laughs) No, you tell me. I mean, I'm an actor. I don't don't know that side of the bit. So you tell us. I mean, for me, this business, like, there is no more supportive place than I've ever felt as being a woman, as being in Hollywood. God. That's for me. That's for That's me. so great to hear. That's really good to hear because sometimes you worry, like, am I in a bad or, you know, exploitative industry right. that treats yeah, women Molly bad? and I have both talked about, you know, yeah. being made to feel extremely, you know, uncertain. I mean, there was a period when I was working on riding around, I felt my worth on the show was so tied to my sexual availability that I was pretending I wasn't married for stretchy years on the show. And I wonder if I worked in an industry that respected women, would I have done that? I don't, I think you would have done it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just, it's just life, you know, and we're looking, it's like, are we looking for things to complain about sometimes? Well, yeah, that would be my question because when I hear like sexual availability, I'm like, ooh, hot, right? Like mm-hmm. euphoria, yeah. like very cool. <laughs> so I guess my question would be, is that bad? Like, is that not feminism? Like, is, are we, right. you know, are we making things too hard? And is it just easier to just be like, yeah, being sexually available makes people want to work with me more, makes me more valuable as a person, makes me like is a contribution that I can give. And so great. So, you know, just eat the salad that's in front of you. Yeah, I do love salad. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's good advice. I don't care care for salads personally, but that is good. In a metaphoric sense, I really like that. Yeah. I mean, mean, well, a a salad is just, if you think about it, it's just a sandwich in a bowl. And that's, I guess. Oh, wow. See, I mean, again, like, I'm not a writer, but like, wow. that is a no. No, no, you're blowing so, you my know, mind right now because yeah. I've been on the record as hating sounds, but loving sandwiches. So this is kind of. Okay, yeah. I got some, uh, got some thinking to do. <laughs> for you, Malin. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. Right. And that honesty and Malin don't feel bad because this is my job. Like, people come to me with sandwiches. Right. I'm talking about scripts right now. I'm doing a thing that is when you say, you say a thing that is like, another thing. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I like to call it, um, a like about, um, I don't know if that makes like a like about sort of an analogy almost or yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. anyway, so this is a like about, and so uh, like people come to me with, with sandwiches and I look at the sandwich and I say, you know, ew, um, Mm -hmm. this is, this is for like, this is for an old person. This is for an ugly person. And I take away the bread and I say, what if we took this and we made it into a salad and that's sexy. And it's sort of like, wow, like very cool. Like euphoria, like we love this, right? This is sexy. So, and that's, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think I follow. Yeah. 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 You're a Subway sandwich artist for television in a way. Sure. Or like the lady in the subway line who's like watching people get sandwiches and is like, everybody stop. There's a, you know, there's a, there's a chopped around the corner. So sort of like, yeah, I just did it. I just changed your like about a little bit. No, that's helpful. That's helpful. And yeah. there, she's giving notes and I didn't even hear. Wow. You're good. 
and I correct me if I'm wrong, but sort of the note behind the note, which I often I hear writers like say that sometimes is like right is that it's actually we need to do the work of understanding you rather than you explaining yourself more clearly. So that's what I would kind of say I got from that is the note behind the note is like shut up, think about it a little bit, and then like come back. You know when right. you yeah, get I, what I haven't exactly said, but I've like intimated. You know. That's the perfect way to think about it, Malin. Like, think about what I want you to say. Come back to me and say the thing that you think I want you to say. Mm-hmm. And that's it, right? Okay. This Gosh. is so, this is honestly so helpful. I'm going to like, kind of can't wait to get my laptop out after this and, and just get to writing because I have a yeah. lot of changes I want to make. And and I'm even thinking about like the pitch deck I put together. I think I'm going to, I think I have a lot to change. So this is exciting. And honestly, anytime either of you has, like, if you have ideas, if you have log lines, if you have <gasps> any materials, send them my way, send them my way, send them my way. I always love to read ideas in I my mean, email. You're opening the floodgates right now. You don't even know. You're going to regret this, Tova. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I never do. We'll have to get your um, your work email. And I'll, yeah, I will give it to you because I don't, ha- you know, I will. I might not respond. So that's part of you know, so I have no obligation to sort of do, but like, if you guys want to do work, work on things, hone these pitches and log lines, whatever, send them to me. I will receive them. That's so cool. That of is, you. you are the best. The absolute definitely, best. I will say have received a, a fan uproar sort of calling for maybe a writing round reboot. And I won't put you on the spot and make you say how you would feel about entertaining something like that right in this moment. But there's definitely a desire to see it happen. That's an amazing idea. And I am immediately thinking about casting and I'm thinking like, wow, it's TikTok, it's Gen Z, it's riding around, it's... Right, and then maybe some of the older characters still there, you know, as um, as sort of legacy, you know, walking them through the bus. Right. So like grandparents, uh, grandparents, like what do you mean walking them through the bus when you say walking them, holding their hands? Parents or like cool older, you know, just people around the neighborhood. I mean, you could go Riverdale and have the sort of former teen heartthrob cast as the, as a parent, you can do that. Definitely. Yeah. I would, I would say none of us are really grandparent age yet. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess you, you tell us if, is everyone just your late thirties are now grandparent age or what's the industry kind of, uh, don't ask me. I am 32 now. So don't ask me. Um, I am an old lady. Um, (laughs) stop. No, no, I really, I, um, I do. Thank you. I, I really like the, um, Riverdale reference that you made because I have seen that and I do know that they did do (laughs) Mm -hmm. parents on that show and it did work and go on. So that would be a good thing to do to copy. I love watching Mullen's mind work because not 15 minutes ago, she learned, okay, this is how the execs like it. You name a show that's already on TV, and then you make the parallels so that it's clear for them. And look what you've just done that with Riverdale and our Riding Around reboot. Amazing stuff to watch. I, I swear, writing this script has been life-changing for me, just a real reframe in how I look at everything. And I'm trying to just apply what I learn in real time. Well, send it to me. Send it to me. Oh, okay. I will. I will. I just a few tweaks and I'll, I'll get it in your inbox. And I would love to have that, that in my inbox. I would love to see it land. Oh, this is exciting. While we have you, we, we did solicit some listener questions ahead of the episode and uh, we've got one that we're going to have our sound engineer play. Hi, I'm really wondering from an executive standpoint, when the entire cast and crew, including all below the line, um, people, I guess, 
they are, they're people, um, walked into your office and said, we demand that each and every one of us get paid $1 million per episode. Um, no one is better or worse than anyone else on this casting crew. What did that feel like? Because to me, that is, I mean, that's an assault, um, but it was unprecedented in television history. And also, did you like the haircut, the Rachel from Friends? Mm. Okay. She snuck in a second one there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's sort of two questions. That's, but that's really interesting. I remember that day, um, that, that everyone, yes, that everyone walked in and it was sort of like this, um, yeah, it was like this wave of anger, um, coming into the, the universal, uh, offices, which was usually such a peaceful place. I remember I was eating a spinach salad. Ugh. Oh my God. No, it was spinach and romaine. Oh my God, it was a combination, which was maybe my first mistake. And (laughs) everyone came in and sort of filled up my office. And I remember feeling like, who are these people? Right. You you had worked with some of them for years, but yeah, I guess. Even the actors, you might not have really gotten to know. Yes, you're watching dailies occasionally maybe, but not really. Like, yeah, like it's it's hard after you've like you're reading you're reading all day to also watch. Right. So much of my job is reading um words and then to have to watch pictures after is right. can be a yeah. lot for your brain. So I do like to not do that as much as I can, but I had seen some like some of the faces I recognized definitely. I was like, I think that person's on TV, so like I should pay attention. Um but um, then when everybody left, basically, Roger called me. And again, he because he had heard the hubbub. Um, for he was in the bathroom at the time during that meeting. And he and he called me and he said from the bathroom and he said, mm. get in here. So I sort of get I took into my, the men's bathroom. Goodness. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's like this is a rigorous business. Like we do the work when we need to do the work. So I took my salad and I, and I went into um, the men's room where Roger was still occupied. And, Uh and he, you know, again, he said something which like, I probably shouldn't repeat, but it was along the lines of like, where do these blah, blahs think they blah, blah, if they want a blah, blah, we can send them to blah with their blah. blah." Again, the blahs being just like very specific epithets and um, sort Mm -hmm. of stereotypes about various communities all mixed into one sentence. And... What I basically said to him was, Roger, some of those people are actors, and I think some of them are important, and we should give them what they want, and some of them are not actors, and I don't know who they are, or where they came from, or what they want, or what their role is in this world, and for them, I don't think we need to give them anything, and he did threaten to cancel the show. He did threaten to cancel the show. Oh my God. Ooh, that's tough to hear. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't know that at the time. I would have flipped. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I almost flipped, but instead of getting angry, I did just agree with him. And I said, yeah, you should, you should cancel the show. And that actually worked as a sort of reverse psychology. And he decided not to cancel the show. So I sort of, it was this sort of political, like, like you said before, Mullen, it's it's political. And sometimes if you do just agree and say, you're right, Roger, I think you're right. And um, whatever you think is right, you can actually affect change. Wow. So, well, I, we both owe you a great debt of gratitude. It sounds like you game theoried your way into keeping our jobs, our livelihoods going strong. Yeah. Right. Like by trying to keep my job, I allowed you to keep your job. 
and it's that beautiful symbiosis, I think, that makes development execs and after such a great timeless partnership. It's a, it is a partnership. I have some shame about that time because, you know, we went into that office with a real sense of solidarity, you know, mm-hmm. among cast and crew. And then for the yeah, outcome said, to nobody's still breaking this picket line. Yeah. Yeah. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, we did, we kind of had the same realization you guys did, I guess, which was that the, look, the cast is the cast and some of them deserve a larger amount of money. It's, I, you know, it's crass to say. And so it felt kind of bad to, you know, go hair and makeup the next morning and have to look in the eyes of the people we had just, just betrayed. Yeah. Right. Because if, if you remember in order to get some of the actors raises, we did, we did cut some of the pay of those below the line people just to satisfy that sort of, cause the budget was the budget and there's nothing right, I right. can do about that except maybe have a conversation with Roger, which I did not want to do. So instead of doing that, we the money had to come, of course, from the hair and makeup, from the prop guys, from the safety people, the medic, you know, everybody on set who's sort of not facing the camera, right. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So they were disappointed, probably. And it did feel like they were kind of coming to us as like, oh, at least like fellow women, don't you think we should stand mm-hmm. together? And the, and. So I, it's nice to hear you say that there was nothing that could have been done and no conversations that could have, you know, changed anything other than the way that it happened exactly. And that I, we shouldn't feel bad. That's, I like to hear that. And I don't yeah. think like as women, I think you like, how is that not being a strong woman? Cause you're standing up for yourself and just like standing so with other women does, is not necessarily feminism. Maybe the most feminism is standing for yourself, which is the number one woman and the mm-hmm. strongest woman that yeah. you know is you. That's so true. If that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I follow God, I want completely. that on a throw pillow. Yeah. Yeah. The strongest woman you know is you. I mean, such pearls of wisdom that have really just fallen out of you today. We're so lucky to have had you today, Tova. Well, before we wrap up, Kel, I do want to hear your thoughts on the Rachel. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. What? So this end of that question was just, and do you like the haircut, the Rachel? <laughs> I think yeah. so. I think the that is what person. this person asked. Wow. I think that's... Um, I guess I would have to say yes. I mean, that haircut was popular, so yes. A lot of people liked it, so yes. Okay, Maggie W., I hope that answers your question. We're so, so thankful that you called in. And anyone out there who's thinking of getting the Rachel, just make sure your head shape works for that, Mm because not every haircut and head shape is a match. So just keep that in mind. Right. And I don't know if you're, are you still, are you, have you ever, because I do know about, there are, operations people can have. And I'm not sure if you are ever there really are in the United States. They'll do that kind of stuff. Oh, probably not. No, right. I'm sure it's overseas, but I just, okay. I don't know if Malin has explored that just because, you know, when you do slate for yeah. stuff, you do turn in profile, I imagine. Yep. Don't I know it? That must be the moment that people go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a little bit tricky. You know, this year I have not past few years, haven't made my SAG insurance but it's, if it's happening in another country, SAG health insurance is not going to help you in, you know, Brazil. So Right. So this gives me some new ideas for how to maybe get that uh, taken care of. Because I have seen specialists here domestically who have <laughs> um, said it's a big undertaking. And and there's also, so I mean, there's risk. Shaving down the back of your skull. <laughs> well, what they're not totally sure of, because it is a mass, they're not totally sure the composition of the mass. Is it 
Is it bone? Is so it brain you, tissue? Is it hair? You've never that, had it biopsied or anything. I think what ends up happening is they biopsy it and they, they get a little bit of everything. And so it's hard to see what most of it is made of. I think that's what's so going my, on. So my like about for that would be that your back, your head is like a buffet. There's a, a little bit of everything. Oh, I love that. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what it is. I got a buffet back here and I'm going to have to look into these international doctors because yeah, the US. Yeah, it's so bad. And I'm I'm actually, right now I'm working on, I'm developing, because I've veered sort of into documentary, um, which is truth um, shows. Oh, I don't know. Cool. Like they're, they're like, um, they're so, because they tell true stories, which is amazing. Like, um, you know, like radio sh- shows or books or something, but right. it's, and so for me, uh, I really love the parts where, you know, they will talk about really, you know, dark, dark things like the healthcare of this country, mm-hmm. um, which is bad. I, I think it's very bad. I've never, I don't know. I've, I've been, I've been working since I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any documentaries you're working on right now that you'd like to plug or just anything at all you'd like to plug for our listener base, which is enormous. I want to say just to keep, keep that in mind, it's enormous. Mm-hmm. And if you have any riding around reboot ideas rolling around in there, again, there's an appetite. Now I do, now that you guys brought it up and sort of framed it in that way that you did with like the Gen Z of it, I do, I think it's, that's a really good idea. And that's sort of, it's fun to just have sort of come up with an idea here with you guys that I can go back to Roger with. So I might do that. But, um, God, it's so hard because I meet so many people. I have so many meetings and everyone uh, has stories, but I would say probably the most talented person that I've met, um, in my, oh my gosh, what is it? Like 15 years as a development executive is this woman, Joanna Bradley, and she just does it all. She is funny. She is so smart. She's a great writer and a fabulous actor, even though she doesn't really act anymore, but she's excellent at it. Um, She can write comedy. She can write drama. (laughs) She's friendly. She can drive stick shift. She speaks French. I mean, she just does it all. So that's, I would just plug her as a person. Wow. Yeah. And she's a solid tennis player as well. I'll have to look her up just kind of knocks it out of the field, as a writer would say. Well, thank you so much, Tova, for joining us today. We so thank appreciate you guys. It. Come by and see me. Okay. You know, I'm not, I'm <laughs> okay. not entirely sure they deactivated my badge, so I'll, I'll poke around Universal City my next time. I have to ask for a, email your assistant for a drive-on. Email yeah. my assistant. That's good. All right, Take guys. Care. Bye. See Take ya. care. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Thank you also to Kelsey Bailey for our logo and to John Purcell for our theme music and for mixing the show. You can follow us at Riding Around Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And send your thoughts and questions to our email address, ridingaroundpod at gmail.com. Please subscribe, rate us, and review us anywhere you find your podcasts. And if you leave your favorite Riding Around memory in your review, we'll read it in an upcoming show. Come back and join us next week. We'll have another great episode for you that you won't want to miss. See you then. Hack, hack.